You are listening to a message from Adam Reardon at Redemption Church in Belvedere, Illinois. At Redemption Church, we are all about introducing people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information, check us out online at redemption.cc. Now stay tuned for today's message. Well, hey, today we are beginning a brand new series called Stranger Things. Now, if you're a Netflix person, if you've watched Stranger Things, uh, you're going you're gonna to enjoy it. If you've never seen Stranger Things, you're okay, okay? You're okay. Because we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about uh, the series, but rather we're going to use that show kind of as a launch pad uh, into a topic. Now, now just to, just to get, give you a little bit of an insight about me, I am not a huge sci-fi fan. I, I've never been a huge sci-fi fan. Like growing up in the 80s, I, I had friends that were so into Star Wars, you know, they had, like, the Legos. Like, they, you know, you could go build the Death Star at their house, and, and they would be like, hey, do you want to come over and play Star Wars? And my answer was always no, because I wasn't really a, a, a sci-fi fan. And even till this day, I'm not the biggest sci-fi fan, but as a child of the 80s, uh, there's something about the 80s that I, I love. And so when that, that show, Stranger Things, came out last year, it's about a group of middle school kids set in the fall of 1983. And I can get into that because I wore some of those clothes. And I imagine some of those kids hated wearing those clothes as much as I hated wearing those clothes. Uh, th- there were things that, like, the, the kids in the show were always riding their bikes, which I resound with because when I, when I was a kid, we were always on our bikes. Like what my wife and I talk about this, that I remember in the summers, we would get up in the morning, we would have breakfast, my buddies and I would meet at the spot on our bicycles, and then we would be gone till the sun came down, just riding around town, just doing whatever we wanted to do, going wherever we wanted to go. And as a parent now, I think that's a horrible idea. Like, I would never give my 10-year-old a, a bike and be like, be home by 10. Like, I just, I, but we did that. And one of the things that really captured my attention was this idea of a, a group of kids who discover uh, that there's some, some wickedness and some evil in, in what they call the upside down. And what's interesting about the, the show, and I won't give you any spoilers because some of you haven't watched season one and season two just came out, but, but there's a group of kids that discover some evil in what they call the upside down. And what's interesting is not a lot of people believe them. Uh, not a lot of people understand what, what, they're, what they're talking about or what they're up against. And there's just this really cool idea about kids pushing back against darkness. It reminds me of, like, the, the movie The Goonies, you know, Never Say Die. Uh, E.T., you know, young kids find an alien, and they're having an alien live in their home. With, once again, it's not a great parenting idea. Uh, but there's this, thing, there's this thing about fighting back against the upside down in our lives. And as I watched that series, I began to think to myself and said, you know what? That's something that every single one of us face in our lives. That you and I have the opportunity and the capability to get upside down in our lives. And the upside down is a place of darkness. The upside down is a place of despair. Uh, The place of being upside down uh, robs us of our joy. It's like a vacuum uh, where we can't see the light and we can't find the hope that we need. But thank God that we have the opportunity to fight back against the upside down in our lives. And see, what happens is is we can get upside down in things like our time and our scheduling. That that we can get so upside down that, that our lives are consistently rushed, panicked, overwhelmed. 
and, and there's never enough time to do what we want to do, we kind of become like uh, the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Hello, goodbye, there's no time. That we just run around chasing our tails, and at the end of the day, we think, man, I did a lot, but I don't know if I accomplished anything. We can get upside down in our time. We have the opportunity in our lives to get upside down financially, that we end up living week to week, rubbing pennies together, uh, that we end up worrying about the bank account, living in debt. Our, our financial atmosphere of our life is one of financial fear. And that's just because we're upside down. Like professionally, and you don't, like, don't elbow anybody or say amen, but professionally, you can end up doing a job you hate and despise just because you, you need the paycheck at the end of the month. And we get upside down. Like relationally, we can get upside down. That we can experience broken relationships over and over and over again. How that we live in a time and an age where we are more connected through social media, yet we are more lonely than we've ever been before in the history of mankind. And so our relationships lack intimacy, lack community. And when we get upside down our relationships, we live in bitterness instead of forgiveness. And see, I don't want to be like Debbie Downer this morning, but the reality is, is my guess is in this room that there's some of us that are upside down in some areas in our lives. And here's what I want you to know. Uh, that's okay. Like, we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, because Redemption Church is a church of hurting, broken people. All of us are a little messed up. All of us are slightly crazy. We all have baggage. We all walk with a limp, and that's okay. We are a church of, of people who aren't perfect. In fact, we say it this way. If you walk in the door and you think you're perfect, you're just more messed up than the rest of us because at least we have a grasp on reality. Like we at least took a little time to look in the mirror this morning and know there's some junk in here that needs to be dealt with. See, one of the things I love about Jesus is that Jesus speaks into your brokenness, into my brokenness. And only Jesus has the opportunity and the power to take our brokenness and turn it into something beautiful. Uh, that, that only Jesus, I believe, has the power and the ability to take our upside down, flip it around so that we're right side up. That, that Jesus can take our brokenness, our hurts, our fears, our unforgiveness, and actually turn it into hope and peace Enjoy in life. And see, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus gives you and he gives me, that he gives all of us that invitation. In fact, the reason I ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 7 is because in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus gives us an invitation. He says it this way. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Now, I want you to think about this for a second because the word enter is an invitation. Uh, think about it this way. If, if maybe you've ever ordered pizza to your house, uh, the pizza guy comes to your door, and, and you have that critical moment. Do you take the pizza at the door, or do you let the pizza guy in the door, right? Like, and depending on what the pizza guy uh, get vibes he gives you, you make that decision. But, but here's the thing. If you're going to let somebody in the door, you give them permission to enter the door. So Jesus is giving an invitation, and he says it this way. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. 
and those who find it are few. Now here's what Jesus says. Jesus actually says there's two roads with two destinations. And he says one is an easy road that's an easy way and many people are on it. And the reason I want you to grasp it is because here's what Jesus, I think, is saying. He's saying there is a way that seems right to man. Uh, There's a, a way that seems right to people and it's popular, it's common, it's easy. In fact, one of the ways you could think about it is like this, is that Jesus says if you are doing what everybody else is doing, it very well could be that you're heading down the path of destruction. In fact, I think what we could say is this, is that if we're walking down the road of destruction, what's really happening in our lives is we're experiencing the upside down. We're taking the easy way, we're taking the popular way, and yet we're heading to a place where we will experience destruction. Now this also gives me hope because I think what Jesus is saying is that there's a different way. I think what Jesus is saying is that if you and I are fed up with the upside down, if we are fed up with the wickedness that exists, the darkness that exists, if we're fed up with the brokenness, the hopeless, the pain of it all, there's a different way, he says, enter in. Which I think what Jesus is saying is this, is if you want something that few people have, then you should do what few people do. That if you want to experience what few people are experiencing, then you should do things that few people are doing. Now here's my little disclaimer for this series, because I want you to know where uh, we're going. Uh, This is not self-help. This is not 10 steps to being a better you. Uh, This isn't about creating you into 2.0 or a better version. This entire series is about Jesus. Uh, Because we're not here to change your behavior. Uh, We're not here to, to help you be a better version of yourself. I don't think there's a whole lot of power in there. But what we want to look at is who is Jesus and what does he have to say about the hurt, the darkness, and the brokenness in the upside down. In fact, I would go as far to say this. I believe the person and the teachings of Jesus lead us away from the darkness of the upside down and actually leads us to what Jesus calls abundant life. Now watch this, John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, this is how Jesus says it. He says, I am the door. And that's, that's kind of a weird saying. That's a strange saying. Jesus says, I am the door, but if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now that's maybe not a language that you and I use very often in your lives. Like my guess is you've never said to your friend or maybe to the person you're dating or to your spouse and said, hey, honey, like I just need to find pasture this week. But, but when the Bible talks about pasture, what it really means is a place of protection, a, a place where you can be nurtured and, and cared for. In fact, in the Psalms, what the scripture says is that because Jesus is a good shepherd, he causes us to lie down in green pastures, a place of rest, a place of protection, a place where we can grow and be safe and be fed. And so Jesus says that he is the door and that if we go through him, that we can actually find salvation and that we can actually find hope and peace and joy and security in him. But he also says that there's another way. He says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Man, I love the way that Jesus says that. That Jesus says that there's actually things in your life that are placed there by your spiritual enemy, the devil, and his goal is to rob from you, steal from you, and ultimately destroy you. See, not everything that's good is ultimately a good thing. But Jesus says there's another way that he actually came to give us life. And I love that Jesus then qualifies the kind of life. Because I think it would be good, just as good if Jesus just said, I come to give you life. Like, I'm up for that. Like, if I had to go take a poll today and they said, hey, do you choose life or death? I would say, sign me up for life. And Jesus says, but I've come to give you life and to give you life abundantly. Like Jesus says, I didn't come to give you just a little bit of life. I didn't come to give you like a medium life. Jesus said, I came that if you would enter in through me, you would find pasture. And that that would be life and life abundantly. See, in a world where I think it's popular and I think it's common and I think it's easy to be upside down, Jesus invites you and he invites me to figure out who he is, to ask the question, who is Jesus and what is his word saying? What does it mean to follow him and how might he take the upside down in my life and actually make it right side up? Now, if you've been around maybe the church for a while, maybe you grew up having to read your Bible or, or going to Sunday school, I tell my church all the time that I had a drug problem as a kid. I got drugged to church every Sunday. And so I was kind of forced to engage. I was forced to be in Sunday school. I was forced uh, to do that stuff. And my mom always told me that I had to go to church because she brought me into the world so she could take me out of it. And I just kind of thought she was serious about that. And see, it wasn't until that, that I began to have my own time where I began to put my own faith in Jesus that I really began to get hungry to discover who is Jesus. Like, what does his word really say? And, like, as a pastor, I'll be the first to admit that there's some things in Scripture that Jesus says that, let's just be honest, don't throw stones at me, but they're kind of strange. Like, in fact, did you know that Jesus says strange things? And he says things that go against the culture. He goes against things that you and I think and believe. He goes against things that we've actually accepted as truth. In fact, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was walking the earth, he would say things, and they were so strange to the people that heard them that some people were so attracted to Jesus because of that. But some people were really, really offended because of the things that he said. Maybe you're going, well, what do you mean by that? Let me give you a couple examples. Jesus said, hey, you've heard it said that you shall not murder. He says, because whoever murders is liable for judgment. He says, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother is liable for judgment. You go, wait a minute, Jesus, did you just say that if I am angry, if I have an unrepentant anger towards my brother, are you saying that I have the same consequence as murdering my brother in your eyes? Well, that's kind of strange. Jesus says, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. Jesus says, you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you. Jesus says some really strange stuff like, if you want to get first, you, fu- you, you must get last. You must become a servant. Jesus said, hey, you know what? We all love to get stuff. But did you know that it's more blessed to give than to receive? This is one of my favorites. Jesus says, if someone punches you in the face, don't punch them back, but turn the cheek. That's kind of strange. I mean, you won't, Jesus, I'm supposed to let them hit me twice? Jesus says this. He says, if someone wrongs you, forgive them. And one of the disciples says, well, but how many times do I forgive? Because I have that person that kind of hurts me every time I talk to him. And Jesus says, not seven times, but seven times, 70 times. And see, while the teachings of Jesus may seem strange to what we've been told, here's what I believe about Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. That no one gets to the Heavenly Father except through Jesus. No one finds that shalom, peace, except through Jesus. That you and I will never truly be satisfied unless it's through Jesus. So why the teachings of Jesus may be strange, I think Jesus is the only way that you and I will ever really experience abundant life together. Now, here's the thing. Redemption Church, we believe that every single one of us is on a a spiritual journey. We believe that every single one of us is at different points, and we embrace that, and we're okay with that. Uh, We say it this way. We say that we, we believe faith is a journey, not a guilt trip. Like, our goal is not to guilt you into anything. Our goal is that you would see Jesus and that you would want to investigate who he is, that you would want to understand his word, and that as you meet Jesus, you would take steps following after him. So I would just assume in a room this size this morning that every single one of us is in a different place. So for some of you, you might be like, hey, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Like, I'm ready to dive in. I want to hear the strange things that Jesus has to say that's going to turn my life upside down and lead me to hope and abundant life. Uh, There may be some of us in the room that said, hey, you know what? Like, I did the church thing. Like, I did that for a while, and, like, that didn't really work out for me. I I, I didn't really see any difference, and I just, I I don't know. Man, we're so glad you're here. There may be some of you that say, you know what? I'm not really convinced but I'd be, at least be willing to find out a little bit more. In fact, there may be some of you in the room that are like, I'm just here because there's coffee and donuts. And there may be even some of us here that you're like, hey, that drug problem thing, I've got that today in my life. I got drug to church. And here's what I want you to know. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, we're so glad that you're here. In fact, I would go as far to say this. I think the very reason you're here is because Jesus wants to say something to you this morning. That I think that that God wants to have a meeting with you to begin to speak into your life, to begin to speak into your situation, to begin to speak into your circumstance, that he wants to bring some light that only he can bring into the darkness of our upside down. So this week is just an intro. Uh, I just have three things I want to share with you this morning, three things that have to happen, at least three things I think that have to happen if we're going to begin to fight against the upside down in our lives. Are you ready? Here we go. The first one is this. 
to fight against the darkness and the upside down, we first need to change how we think. If we're going to fight back against the upside down in our lives, the first thing we have to do is change how we think. See, this is a problem that's already been a part, always been a part of the heart of man, but I think it's worse now uh, because we live in the age of social media. And one of the things that's cool about social media is we can connect with people. We can say hi to people. If you're on Facebook, you can poke people, which I still don't know what that means, but you can do it. If you're on Instagram, you can share pictures of your dinner. I don't know why we do that, but we do that. And see, what happens is, is we only share the best moments on social media. Like, nobody shares their failures on social media. Like, you've never seen that picture, like, sobbing my eyes out this morning because things are hard, you know, hashtag blessed. You've never seen that. People go out, like, to the beautiful sunset by the beach, and they're like, look at my beautiful life. And see, what happens then is we begin to imitate other people. We can begin to look at other people's lives, and we go, hey, man, I just think that person is so hashtag blessed. Hey, man, I just think that person is living it. Hey, I just think if I was going through what that person was going through, that maybe my, my life would be better. And here's the thing. This, is, this wasn't in the, the sermon notes, but it's free. We can admire people on social media who are actually empty in real life. We can actually begin to admire people who actually there's not a whole lot of hope and a whole lot of joy. They just know how to take a really great picture, select the right filter, and upload it. And see, if we really want to fight against the upside down, what we really have to do is instead of seeking imitation, we need to seek inspiration. There's an old story floating around, and it's not my story. You may have even heard this story before. But there's an old story about a, a woman and a man who get married. They're newlyweds. And in the first couple weeks of their marriage, they're moved into their new place, and uh, the, the newlywed woman is going to make her grandmother's famous pot roast. Now, this is like a family dish. It is a family tradition. They guard the recipe. You have to be in the secret or have the internet to find the recipe, but you know what I'm saying. And so as the, the newlywed couple is in the kitchen, the, the pot roast is going in, the, the newlywed husband is helping uh, what little he can as his wife makes the pot roast, and he notices that she cuts the ends off of the pot roast, places the pot roast in a pan, puts it in the oven, but then cooks the ends of the pot roast on top of a stove in a different pan. And so as they eat dinner that night, the, the husband tries a little bit of the end of the pot roast, and then he tries the pot roast, and they taste exactly the same. So trying to ask nicely, avoiding putting his foot in his mouth, the newlywed husband asks his newlywed wife, Honey, how come you cut off the ends of the pot roast and cook those on the stove instead of the oven? And his beautiful newlywed wife thought for a minute. She said, You know, I don't know. That's just the way my mom taught me to do it. And so she thought about that. It bothered her. And so she called her mom, just kind of intrigued, and said, Hey, Mom. The other night, I was making grandma's famous pot roast. It was awesome, by the way. But my husband asked me a question. Why do we cut the ends off the pot roast 
and cook them on the stove instead of in the oven. And the mom thought for a while, and she said, you know, sweetie, I don't know. That's just the way my mom always did it. So bothered by this, the mother of the newlywed wife called her mother the originator of the recipe. And they made a little small talk, and they, they you know, talked for a while, and then the mother of the newlywed spoke to her mother, the originator, and said, hey, mom, I have a question for you. My daughter asked me, and I didn't have an answer, so I'm asking you, after all, it's your recipe. Why do we cut the ends off of the pot roast and cook them on the stove instead of the oven? There was a long pause, and the grandmother, the original of the recipe, begins to laugh. And through her laughter, she says, I have no idea why you cut the ends off of your pot roast, but I had to cut them off mine because the pot roast at the store was always too big for my pan. And see, what happens is when we imitate without understanding, we lack inspiration. Doing what others do with no understanding of why is simply imitation. But understanding why others do what they do is inspiration. In fact, if you and I really want to learn from someone, but we really have to understand is how they think. Why do they do the things they do? Why do they say the things that they say? Why do they do the things the certain way they do the things? That's more important than just observing. Because maybe you don't know this, but the way you think, the things you think, are incredibly powerful. In fact, there's an old saying that says this. It says, be careful what you think. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character, and your character is everything. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. So here's part of the way we begin to fight back against the evil and the upside down, is we have to change the way we think, that we have to understand why we do the things we do. Why do we make the decisions that we make? Why are we upside down in our time? Why are we upside down in our relationships? Why are we upside down in our finances? Why are we upside down? We have to understand why because the way we think is important. Here's what Paul says. If you want to change your life, first change your thoughts. If you want to change your situation, first change how you think about your situation. Anybody a, a burrito fan? Can I ask that? It's church. You can be honest. Anybody a burrito fan? Uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe it's been a month now, Chipotle came out that they were now going to serve queso in their store. So if you are a burrito fan and a hot spicy cheese fan, this is exciting news. Because you can now get both under one roof. And Chipotle spent all kinds of money, probably thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, to market, to let us know 
that you can now go to Chipotle, get your burrito your way. If you're watching the carbs, you get the burrito bowl. But now you can get the queso. And in the commercials of their queso, it's like this flowing cheese stream from a ladle, which makes you assume that if you go to Chipotle and you buy the queso, that they will give you a good large amount of warm, spicy cheese to go on your burrito. The problem was, as many people went to Chipotle to get their queso on their make-it-your-own-way burrito, and the problem was is the queso came in a container this big, and it was cold. And see, none of us enjoy false advertising. None of us want to be promised the lava flowing of warm, cheesy, spicy queso to be given a small cup of cold cheese for our burrito. Now you say, Pastor, why in the world would you take time to talk about burritos and cheese and our message? Because now I'm hungry. Here's why. Here's why. I don't want to give you any false advertising. See, I'm smart enough to know, and I've been doing this long enough to know, that every single problem that you walked in with this morning, you will more, more than likely walk out with this morning. The same cares, the same concerns, the same situations that you brought in this morning are waiting for you at the door. And the reason I say that is because, listen, life is not an episode of Seinfeld or Friends. Okay, we can't have conflict and then wrap it up in 45 minutes commercial free. Okay, some of the things that have been going on in our life for years are going to take a little while to get fixed. And so I don't want to overpromise you, but here's what I do want to tell you that I 100% believe while your situation may not change today, here's what could change. Is you could begin to open your Bible And in the process of opening your Bible, you could hear the living, powerful voice of God. Here's just what I personally believe. I believe that the same God that spoke the universe into existence, the same God that breathed his breath into our lungs to give us life, the same God that commands the storm to stop and it obeyed, the same voice that, that commanded Lazarus, a dead man, to come to life and come out of the tomb is the same voice that speaks to us to in the Bible every single time we open it, that you have that possibility, I have that possibility. So our situation may not change, but what if? What if you began a journey today where you would begin to seek God? What if you would just take the next four weeks And you would allow him to begin to speak into your life. You would allow him to begin to speak into your situation. What if you believed the word of God and began to apply it into your life even though you're not 100% sold on it yet? Because here's what I can tell you. There's no fake news in the scripture. What Jesus says is true. And so what if we just started to believe this? Like, what if we just started to let God speak to us? What if we believe the very words of Jesus contain the power to drive out the darkness? What if we believe the words of Jesus could remedy the upside down in our lives? And see, while I believe that all of our circumstances will still be waiting for us at the door, 
Here's what could happen. You could allow the all-powerful, the Lord God Almighty, the creator of all things who rules and reigns, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, begin to speak life and hope into your situation, and I believe that would change everything. So number one, we got to change how we think. We need to hear the word of God. We need to agree with the word of God. And we need to apply it to our lives. Number two, if we're really going to fight back against the upside down, we need to understand that God is after your heart, not your behavior. God is after your heart, not your behavior. Uh, Sometimes when we do sermon series like this, Stranger Things, uh, a couple things happen. Number one, people get really, really angry, and I get threats over social media and email because a church shouldn't do something called stranger things. And I'm like, your church doesn't have to. But the whole reason we do stuff like this is because we are absolutely convinced that God loves you, that God desires a relationship with you, that God offers you and he offers me life and life abundantly. And see, here's just what I want you to know. Up front, total transparency, my goal for us as a church is not that we would be a group of people that behave well. Our goal as a church is not to be a a group of people who don't smoke, who don't drink, and don't chew, and we don't date girls who do. That's not the goal. Our deepest desire is that we would have an opportunity to discover who Jesus really is. That every single one of us would have the opportunity to answer the question is, who is the God of the Bible? That we would begin to discover what the Bible has to say. That we could see Jesus for who he is and that we could begin to take steps of faith following after Jesus. Uh, By the way, maybe you've had a bad experience with a church, and I just apologize for that. But there's not a single verse in this Bible that says you have to change before you can believe. Uh, There's not one single verse in here that says, if you clean up your act, then Jesus will love you. See, that's the definition of religion. That's not the definition of Christianity. See, what the Bible says is that God so loves you that what he wants is your heart, not your behavior. That you don't have to clean yourself up and make yourself right. That rather Jesus will do all that for you anyway. I love this. This is one of those strange things that Jesus says. Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 27. He's speaking to the religious people. And he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appears beautiful, but within you are filled with dead people's bones and uncleanliness. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus, Jesus says we can get all dressed up. We can wear the right clothes. We can learn the language and say the right things. We can behave really, really well. And yet, on the inside, We're like a graveyard, just dead, filled with empty bones, no life, no hope. And see, I believe God wants to do a greater work 
than just make us behave well. See, I think according to the scripture, we believe that Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sin. That on the cross, Jesus absorbs the wrath of God that you and I deserve. That he doesn't just die in our place, he dies the death that we deserve because of our sin and because of our rebellion. So on the cross, Jesus dies as a sacrifice. He's innocent, pure, spotless, holy. He's done nothing wrong, but because you and I have rebelled, because you and I have sinned, he dies for us. And all our guilt, all our sin, all our shame is taken from us and transferred on to him. And so when he dies, so does our sin, so does our shame, so does our guilt, so does our condemnation. So that when Jesus is dead and buried, all of that is buried with him. And see, we know historically, we know through historians that Jesus really was alive, that he really did walk on this earth, that he really was crucified. And even secular history has all kinds of information that says, on the third day he rose again. And he rose on the third day victorious over Satan, over sin, over death. And he promises us that same resurrection victory can be your victory and my victory. That Jesus doesn't want us just to be well behaved. He wants us to give us a new heart. He wants to give us a new identity. He wants to make us a new creation. He wants to give us a right relationship with God where we would know him as Father that we would live as fully loved, fully adopted, fully accepted sons and daughters of God. And here's the good news. You don't get to do that on your own. You don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to change your behavior. You don't have to clean yourself up. Jesus says that we can come, and through him, he makes us new. He makes us right he conforms us into his image and his likeness over time. So if we want to push back from the darkness, number one, we have to change the way we think. Number two, we have to understand that God's not after our behavior, he's after our heart. And number three, we have to recognize that our direction, not our intention, determines our destination. Our direction, not our intention, determines our destination. Uh, my wife and I have very different gifts, and it annoys me because she's better at a lot of stuff than I am. So, for instance, my wife and I can be in the car, and, and she, without, like, knowing where we're going, like, she can just go. She did this to me the other day, and it just makes me mad. She's like, I feel like we're going east. And I'm like, how do you know that? She's like, I can just tell we're going east. And see, like, one of our vehicles has, has it where it tells me. So I look down, and I'm like, she's right. Like, no, we're going south. You're wrong. And she can always do that. Now, here's the thing. Because she can do that, she gives directions that way. You know anybody like that? So you're going to go two miles and turn east. How do you turn east? I can turn left, and I can turn right. I can go forward. I can go backwards. Don't tell me to turn north. I don't know where north is. I don't know how to make that turn. And so for me, I always drive with a GPS. If I don't know where I'm going, the GPS is on. You know why? The GPS knows north. It knows south. It knows east. It knows west. Do you know that my GPS is non-judgmental? My GPS never tells me I'm driving too fast or too slow. 
My GPS never tells me that the music's too loud. The GPS never tells me that I cut a person off in traffic or I should have stopped for that pedestrian. And I'm not saying that my wife does. I'm just saying that my GPS doesn't. And here's why that's important. It's because if I decided that I was going to take a little holiday, take a little time to put my feet in the sand down in Florida on the beach, the direction I traveled, not my intention, determines my destination. So if I decided, hey, let's pack up the swimming suit and head to Florida, but I get on 90 and head north, I will quickly find the beach of Minnesota, but I will not find the beach of Florida, and a swimming suit this time of year will not help me in Minnesota. Why is that important? We begin where we started. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Friends, what's your direction? That's my only question for you today. What's your direction? See, if we intend, if our intention is to find abundant life, but our direction is towards destruction, we'll never find abundant life. Because the direction we are heading, not our intention, determines our destination. Hey, see, as we begin this brand new series, which is going to go for the next couple weeks, I just want you to ask the question, currently, what's your direction? Are you heading towards the upside down? Are you driving further into destruction? Or, or is could the very reason that God has you here this morning is because he wants to set you on a new path with a new direction, with a new destination, one that goes through Jesus where he can meet you where you are, love you as you are, but love you too much to leave you that way and that he would give you the hope, the power, the peace, and the joy that makes up abundant life. So if you're here today, here's my question. What is your direction? If you're doing what everyone else is doing, and if you're experiencing what everyone else is experiencing, maybe it's time for a change. If you're tired of the upside down in your finances, if you're tired of the upside down in your relationships, if you're tired of the upside down in your schedule, if you're tired of the upside down that exists in your heart and nothing that you do really satisfies it, Jesus invites you to enter, to enter into him, to repent of your sin and to confess him as Lord so that he can do something in you that you could never do yourself. And see, friends, I'd invite you to come back next week because over the next couple weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to get really specific about some of these areas in our lives and how Jesus can take the darkness of the upside down how Jesus can take the brokenness of the upside down and he can create something beautiful in your life and my life. That we could actually very quickly go from despair to hope. And his name is Jesus. Thanks again for listening to this message from Redemption Church in Belvedere, Illinois, where we believe faith is a journey, not a guilt trip. Listen again next week, but in the meantime, visit us at redemption.cc.